Greetings and welcome to Wonder Talks with Ronnie. I'm Ronnie. Come join me as I discuss the everyday woman and of course one woman's influence in the world. Oh, and always believe in her and remember to stay wonderful. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Wonder Talks with Ronnie. Today's episode, I feature a guest. Now, it's been a while since I had a guest on the show. I think the last guest was on episode eight. Anyway, my guest today is Nazila, and we talk about the struggles and triumphs of Afghan women in today's modern society. Let's dive in. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. I'm so happy to feature your story. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. So my first question is, in education seems to be a contributing factor to freedom for you. What was the experience like? Well, um, education has always played the role of a great savior or protector in various stages of my life whether as a refugee with almost zero human rights and as a girl in a male-dominated society and also as an immigrant during the war, Muslim ban and immigration issues uh, era here in the United States, it's been my protector. So um, as a child refugee in Iran, uh, in a society where refugees are not welcomed and face a many systematic violation of human rights, discrimination, and social hardship. And then going to a school helped me to learn my, um, my host country, let's say the so-called host country's culture, social norm, and language better. So going to a school and being in the same class with Iranian students uh, helped me to adopt an identity that could uh, reduce the intensity of discrimination that every Afghan refugee was facing. Um, gradually, I learned how to hide my identity and instead identify as a member of society, just like pretend to be a member of the society, be an Iranian, let's say. And then like, I learned how to behave in such a way that the society accept me. Uh, finally, I learned how to avoid those discriminatory languages, acts, and rules that were applied to all Afghans like me. So in other words, um, as a child, a school and education helped me to learn the necessary survival skill to live a life in as a complete human being rather than a refugee uh, who should not have any idea. So hiding my Afghan identity and getting involved with the cultural and other student activities at the school, I was able to express myself, my idea, and embrace a different culture and society. Um, uh, while I was facing many and many other challenges as a refugee, going to a school honestly helped me uh, gain um, some survival skills and live the life at a school 
and also in the society with less pressure. So that's how education saved me from discrimination and violence as a refugee child in the Iranian society. And also, um, as a girl, as I said before, born and raised in a male-dominated society and, and a patriarchal family system, it was my education that uh, protected me from early and forced marriage, like, uh, and also from becoming a girl who, I mean, let's say a nice girl who serves and follows the men of the family and being dependent on male member of the family to survive. So uh, more importantly, uh, going to a school and reading books uh, opened my eyes to a different world, uh, a world in which girls are not forced into a marriage. Uh, women can be independent financially. Girls can, can wear whatever color they like. They can speak, they can laugh loudly. And, uh, and finally they can, they, they, they can love and be loved. Oh, so, that's a good one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world in the books was far different than women's circumstances in my family. So I learned that there could be a different and better life. Thus I decided to continue with a school for, for sure going to a school came at a great price, unfortunately for me, um, because it wasn't a culture and it exposed me to violence. My books and study material were burned at the night of final exam member family disowned me and I felt so isolated at the young age. But although all those happened to me, all those price came out along with it, but it saved me from the horrific future that was waiting for me there. Wow. And, yeah. And also, I mean, let me tell you, uh, even in the United States, a land of freedom, I found my, my, my freedom through education. So every time I say that to people, they, they, it surprises them. Uh, but that's true. I mean, four, year, four years ago, I was a new immigrant who moved from Afghanistan to the United States. I was, very, I was very disappointed about my home country because of the increasing violence and conflict there. Unfortunately, and it coincided with the wall era, Muslim ban and travel ban, as I said before. Yeah. And... And also in the era in which I came in the United States, it wasn't easy to feel home and, and welcomed due to the ongoing immigration issues. So my life was full of uncertainties, challenges, and anxieties. And the terrible news I was hearing from Afghanistan on one hand and ongoing immigration issues here on the other hand, it was hard to imagine it good and satisfying future and life ahead of me. So, so I refer to my old savior, which is education. <laughs> yeah. Education is very important. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I chose education as a way to find hope and regain confidence and also to find my way to integrate and find a sense of being a member of community. So I started from the basis, community college. Uh, then I quickly made it to Georgetown University where I met 
international student, a student coming from wealthy backgrounds, I mean, a student from politically powerful families. And of course, I met people uh, who strive for social justice and equality, which was very important to me. And then I found um, enough confidence to apply to Ivy Leagues. So, and in this fall, I'm going to Columbia University to pursue my advanced education. I mean, and, 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 and yeah, that how education has been my greatest protector in different stages of my life. That's, that's very inspiring, actually. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I really like that answer, actually. Yeah, you know, women are changing the landscape, especially in the United States, I noticed. Absolutely. Especially not just in like in outside of not just in real life, but also in media as well. Women are getting their own movies, all of that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's exciting. Absolutely. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really like, you know, very excited about what's what's happening right now. You know, I mean, we're still we still have a long way to go for us women, but it's getting there. Sure. Yeah, we just need to work a little bit harder. Sure. So in 2005, you returned to Afghanistan to find the women there changing the landscape. What was that like for you? Oh, wow. Um, I returned <laughs> to Afghanistan as a teenager. I was 17 in my early 70s. And I remember I had mixed feeling, to be honest, about starting a new life in Afghanistan. Because on, a, on one hand, I was happy to get rid of that refugee title, which caused me a lot of suffering and challenges. And I hope the law would treat me equally as a native Afghan. But on, on the other hand, it was hard to adjust myself with a new living condition. I mean, a life with very poor facilities, such as electricity and drinking water. I mean, for, for the first two years of our return to Afghanistan, we lived in a village and we had power for only three hours nighttime out of 24. And I was surrounded, like our house was surrounded by all dust, damaged houses and poor, very poor living condition. So in such kind of condition, honestly, it was hard to fall in love with my new society. And I was just a teenager, for sure. You like to have your electricity power. You, know, you like to have your drinking water. You like to have your TV on entire the time. And, but, and, and, and yeah, it, 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 it should have been so hard to fall in love with such kind of society. But honestly, it did happen. I did it once I started observing change in women's life. And I mean, the change which were much different from what I heard from my mom and other women who once lived in Afghanistan. So national TV, national and local TV were broadcasting about women's achievement. They were covering women's speeches, messages, and their work toward building a new free and democratic society. Even in the village, I would observe the growing number of female educators and a student going to school. Once I heard about the law and organization that could protect my rights to education, 
and access to job opportunities. Like I felt confident to claim my right to go to college and have a job because it wasn't, as I said before, it wasn't a culture. It wasn't a norm in my family for girls to go to college, even go to school and have a, and have a job outside of home. So women's access to education and job opportunities was absolutely against my family rule, but I guess they eventually realized the new realities of their society and women's position in it. I guess they eventually did so because they eventually allowed me to go to, uh, to get a job. So in 2005, but it's very interesting how I get that. Um, in 2005, when I decided to search for a job, I had no idea how that works. And uh, I didn't have like, I didn't have access to internet, computer and cell phone like we have today. And all I had was uh, some pieces of paper and pen to write. So I began writing and writing to whatever organization I would hear from of TV and my employed relatives living in the city. Sometimes they would come to visit and they were talking about their job, their organization. So I knew some of the organization name and the kind of work they were doing. So every time uh, my cousin and relative would come to visit to the village to visit us, I would give, give them a bunch of envelopes and containing letters to the organization uh, to pass them through. Actually, <laughs> actually, that worked out very well. And I found my first job in a UN ag agency. Uh, and of course, then I joined some other organization and I gradually became a gender equality and uh, women's empowerment activist. And oh, I'm that's so, good. <laughs> oh, yes, and I'm so, so proud to say that I work to promote human rights, including gender, equal, gender diversity, youth and women empowerment program with the various international organizations. So, uh, yeah, I mean, almost three years after our return to Afghanistan, we moved to the city finally from the village. Um, and that gave me uh, a better and more access to the like-minded people, to the activists, a women's rights champion, and the organization that would support women's empowerment and gender equality. Like, on that time, Herati women were no longer what I heard from my mom and what I have seen among women in my family. They were quite different. Herat, which is my home city in Afghanistan, was, on, was on, at the time was a home for women's champion. Like day after day, we were hearing about impressive and bold achievements of women. For example, the first time I heard about Roya Mahbub, who's my best friend now, I mean, she's in her way from New York to, uh, to Virginia, coming to visit me, coming here to visit me right now, um, was when she was named as, a, as the 100 board influential women in the Time magazine. Like, wow. 
Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, number of women and girls at a school and university was just growing dramatically in my city. Women were engaged in cultural activities, in art, business, sport, and politics. And it wasn't the same herat I heard from my mom anymore. It was a new Afghanistan. It was a new herat. And somewhere I was, and still I'm so proud to be a small part of it. Um, and I should also uh, add this, I mean, today I'm, I'm so heartbroken to hear that such hard-won gains and improvements are going to vanish once the Taliban take the control of the country. I'm heartbroken for all those tireless and, uh, and honest works that Afghan women have been doing for building more equitable society back there. I'm also, I'm also disappointed about the international community and Afghanistan allies who are leaving Afghan women alone in their fight with the Taliban. Such a horrible group of people who have no respect for equality, freedom, and human rights. And everyone knows that they, they aim to reestablish their brutal regime in Afghanistan. Wow. That's hard to hear, actually. Absolutely, yeah. It's heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah. So you were inspired to work towards promoting women's rights and gender equality. What does that mean to you? Um, as, a, as a woman who experienced various type of violence and gender-based discrimination, it is my dream to work toward a broad establishment and maintenance of an equitable society. So my interests lie in defense of human rights. Um, I dream to play a role in ensuring that every individual is treated equally under the law and a system is created that protects human rights everywhere, all around the world. So working toward gender equality and women's rights is something I will always consider as a mission uh, for which I'm trying to equip myself right now with necessary tools and institution and knowledge through education. Well, the more I work when back then, I mean, in Afghanistan, the more I work for, to promote gender equality and women's rights, the more I hear, and also the more stories I hear from women, the more I became committed to human rights. I have observed the plight of Afghan women among my family and in the society for many years. It took me years of speaking to the women from different groups and in different corners of Afghanistan to explore the gaps and the root causes of women's challenges. So um, the more I realized the complexity of women's right challenges, the deeper I wanted to dive in. Um, probably that's why I chose uh, to get advanced education in human rights rather and social justice rather than any other field right now. Uh, and also let me add, after working for years to promote the human rights and dignity of the most vulnerable population, I realized that human rights violations are the main reason for the mass refugees uh, movements that 
once defined my life and my family's life. Wow. <laughs> I like your answers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. You know, um, that's why I'm like happy to feature your story because it's important to talk about these things. Oh, yes, absolutely. I think the world need, needs to hear all these stories. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially in such a sensitive time, in such a, I mean, fearful time for Afghan women. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned Afghanistan is home to female educators and such, but it still seems they're but it seems there still needs to be more done and a long way to go. So my question is, what do you believe should be done and how does that look like for you? Yeah, a lot. A lot needs to be done. Well, while Afghan women have made a huge improvement in their position and their roles in the society and have had impressive engagement in almost every area and sector, whether it's from education to law enforcement and lawmakings, there is still a long road to gender equality and realizing of women's human rights in Afghanistan, particularly in the rural area where not that much work have been done in the last 20 years. So there is a lot that needs to be done. But before I go through that, uh, I should emphasize that Afghan women are in a very challenging and uncertain situation at the moment. The international community and allies who, uh, who, who were the greatest supporter of a women's mission in the last 20 years are leaving. Violence is intensifying in every part of the country. And the Taliban, I mean, the most serious opponents of equality and freedom, especially for women, are capturing more areas of Afghanistan, unfortunately. So since the beginning of uh, the peace negotiation, the Taliban have repeatedly refused to explain their intuition about women's position in the society. I believe that it is the most challenging time for Afghan women in the last two decades. At the moment, Afghan women are surrounded by a lot of uncertainties about their future, about their gains, about the democratic society they have, they have made and about the laws, all those laws that they have changed. And finally, about the improvement they have built in the social norms and their role in the society. So it's such a, it's such a challenging, it's such a, fearful uh, moment for Afghan women. And I'm so disappointed to see how the world is abandoning women of, Afghan, of Afghanistan in fulfilling such a challenging mission for equality and freedom. I'm, let's say I'm devastated to see a group of people, like a small group of people are taking control over the country who will put an end to all women's aspiration and the change they have made. Like uh, something I think it is the right place to say, and I say it out loud, is that we cannot, we, I mean, as American women, we cannot enjoy equality, freedom, and peace here in the United States if Afghan women in another corner of this world are suffering. We, 
women, as a group of one women, one group of women will always do better and will always can faster establish an equitable world if we do it collectively and not let some group of us suffer uh, and their rights are violated in, in different, in other corners of this world. It is time, it is time for all women, for American women in particular, uh, to stand with Afghan women and demand the international community to support them, just like they did in 2001 after collapse of the Taliban regime. We have that experience, we have that knowledge, and we know how to do it now. Like 20 years ago, democracy was introduced to Afghan women and its values helped them to enjoy gains and freedom for 20 years, which is such a considerable amount of time. We shouldn't allow a small group of the Taliban take it away from them. We will never be free here if they go back to that horrific situation like 20 years ago. Wow. That's really, that's horrible. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it does get better. I really do. I think what needs to be done is they need to um, maybe ask help from the United States, maybe? It requires collective action. Collective yeah. action by all women from across the world. Yeah. How the, how the life uh, was like for Afghan women during the Taliban regime. We know which kind of regime they are going to create. So it's time to do something to be loud and to stand with Afghan women. Yeah, definitely. So after graduation from Georgetown, you posted a picture that went viral and received many messages of support. How did that make you feel? Well, it was such a moment, such a happy and proud moment. Well, I truly dedicated my degree to my only and dear sister Adele, uh, who wasn't allowed to go to school just because of the patriarchal value of my family. But um, I posted it in the social media because I wanted to show the change, the new image of those women who were born with the less rights because of their sex, but still make it to the elite and powerful educational institution. I mean, to those who are against women's freedom and their right to education, I wanted to tell them that you may be able to prevent one or some from going to a school, but there are many others and there will always be many others who will eventually find their way to a school and change their lives and also lives of others. So, uh, and, and once I received uh, many supportive and encouraging message from men, uh, particularly from Afghanistan, and seeing them criticizing any violent acts against uh, women and preventing them from education. It was like, I saw the result of years of work by myself and by my fellow women's, act, women's rights activists. I realized that public opinion about women's right to education has changed. Today, women are not the only group who want education for uh, girls, but men do too, do too. 
So I felt extremely happy for the new Afghanistan that was built through years of hard work done by Afghan women and of course their supporters. So receiving and reading those messages made me, made me much more happier than graduating and gaining that degree. I mean, those messages mean much more to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, uh, and this was uh, what I always wished from Afghan society to be, right? To be, to, to be a, such a, to be a society that supports equality that respect human rights, diversity, and encourages um, women's empowerment. It was, as I say, it was really a proud and happy moment for me. I like that. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. That was actually really interesting. I like your answers. I really do. I'm glad you like them. Well, we have two more questions left, so. Sure. (laughs) So my other question is, before Afghanistan was an undeveloped country, but now the women there are aware of their rights. And because of democracy and freedom, it seems they still need help from other countries, such as the United States, to stand with them. So what do you think should be done to preserve women's rights and freedom? Um, giving, giving the Taliban's terrible record of repressing women and human rights, and, and also the fact that you know, the US troops and other international forces are withdrawing from Afghanistan, um, there is a fear that women's rights will decline rapidly in Afghanistan. It is the most fearful time for Afghan women in the past two decades, and it actually should be. Uh, the United States and other Afghanistan allies need to think of a responsible post-withdrawal, in my opinion. And they need to stay engaged diplomatically or through foreign aid or through any other means. They need to stay engaged and continue to work closely with the current Afghan government and also any other future power-sharing government in case they are going to create to preserve and promote women's rights. I mean, there is a lot that the United States can do to preserve and protect Afghan women's rights. And simply leaving the country without any diplomatic probabilities is unfair. And such an act is not how we define our position in the world, right? Yeah. We need to stay engaged through whatever means, whatever I mean, whatever possible way, whether it's diplomatic and development means, we have we have the obligation to keep supporting Afghan women and uh, Afghan in general, and especially Afghan women, because they had considerable uh, gains in the last 20 years. Also, the United States needs to be aware, uh, which is and is very important that a new challenges arise for the protecting and preserving women's rights in Afghanistan. The, if the Taliban come to the position of power, they are the, the steadfast opponent to Western values and civil liberties. We need to be aware of that and we need to be ready for that. We need to have like prepared policy in hand to defend human rights, which is one of our core democratic values. 
um, after 20 years of hard work by both Americans and Afghans for building a democratic system and teaching Afghans democracy and its values, it would be devastating to see all those hard works vanish and they have greatly sacrificed for just nothing. Well, that's, um, we need to respect and value those sacrifices and hard work and we need to stay engaged. There are, there are various means, there are various ways that United States and the world can use to protect women's rights in Afghanistan. I mean, it's not, there is nothing they can do. It's a lot of things they, they can do. They can use their diplomatic leverage in the region and push Afghanistan neighboring countries to, uh, to play a more positive role. Um, we can also invest in the intra-Afghan peace negotiation and push, and push that in a peace negotiation process. We can provide foreign aid that is conditioned on preserving women's rights. And finally, we can uh, uh, preserve uh, the connection between the two countries' civil societies for further cooperation and collaboration in future. Um, honestly, protecting the human rights of 37 million people is not that difficult for the United States as a powerful and most influential country in the world. So um, defending Afghan women and their human rights is our moral obligation. And it is for, and it is not only for them, I mean, for women, for Afghan women, but for, for protecting our values and our national security. And let me, let me say, uh, we, we should understand that what happens abroad will definitely impact our lives here at home. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. I'm really loving your answers, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Like what happens abroad if packs our lives at home? I do agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a province. I mean, it, it happened in the past that the brutal Taliban regime in Afghanistan had a great impact on entire the world safety and security. I mean, the growing, increasing number of extremism in the world had a very negative impact on our national security. So whatever happens outside will impact our lives inside. Definitely, I agree with that statement. And it's important that we're talking about this because my podcast is more than just talking about you know, Wonder Woman and women in comics. I like to discuss what's going on around the world that impacts the women there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my next question is, Afghan activists seem to be changing the views of women's rights through international means and such, but there seems to be a violence against Afghan women still. So what do you think should be done about that? Well, um, it's an urgent time for women's rights activists from across the world to support and advocate for protecting hard-won rights of Afghan women. With the support of other international organizations, Afghan women fought for equality and have made great strides. So withdrawal of international troops shouldn't, should not 
uh, and women's right activism in Afghanistan, and also their support toward Afghan women. I mean, just withdrawal of troops, it does, um, I'm trying to say withdrawal of troops, shouldn't mean, shouldn't end to, uh, to finish or to end, to put an end to women's right activism and supporting um, Afghan women mission in Afghanistan. Rather, it's a time for, uh, for all women activists to advocate for preserving women's gains in the future government, whatever government they are going to form. I mean, preserving women's gains is an important fact, is an important uh, part, should, it should be important part of it. And they should push the international donors to continue their support from Afghan women and their role in the future government. As Taliban remain deeply misogynistic, it is the international community and international women's activist responsibility to stand with Afghan women and demand for the change in the Taliban mindset and their policies toward women. We should not forget that the more voices, the greater impact. So, uh, and, and I mean, this is, this is my message to all women activists, all women's rights activists, gender equality activists all around the world. It is not time to take a passive position or stay silent. It is time to be much more louder and being clear about women's rights in Afghanistan. Otherwise, it would be late. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's time to speak up now. Definitely. I, like I said, I really love your answers. You, you seem well-educated. I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so before we conclude the episode, I want my listeners to know where they can find you in terms of social media. Um, I'm, I'm almost available everywhere. I can be found everywhere. I'm pretty active in a Twitter um, with, uh, with my account Nazila Jamshidi1. And uh, I, as I say, I can be found in Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and almost everywhere. <laughs> That's good to know. I think I saw, I think I might've found your profile on Twitter. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'm into it there. Okay, I think I might have found your profile. Yeah. So I, I'm going to definitely follow you and I'll make sure that my listeners will follow you, you know, if they want to learn more. Yes, sure. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me in your show. I'm glad that you came on. And your message of, you know, for women's rights, especially Afghan women, is very important. And a lot needs to be said. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wonder Talks with Ronnie. It means a great deal you made it this far. I want to thank you for your support. If you want to know more, you can join me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at WonderTalksRonnie and at my website at WonderTalksWithRonnie.me. I'm also 
on Facebook as Wonder Talks with Ronnie Podcast. I can't wait to interact with you. So come join the discussion and let's have some fun. Oh, and stay wonderful.